Once again, we are brought to you by this episode of the Habs Forum is brought to you by Manscaped. Um, so again, try, use uh, the promo code the or, uh, Habs Forum on Manscaped.com and you'll get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Again, I've used it myself. It's my, approved by myself and definitely approved by my girlfriend as well. And not only did I use the razor, but I tried it yesterday as well. I tried the ball deodorant. Uh, very good. It's very good, especially when it's hot out like this. Today it was like 35 degrees here in Montreal. Uh, the ball deodorant definitely came in handy. So, uh, so again, right, guys, go to all our listeners because uh, Dustin's talking about his uh, genitalia. Well, I mean, our, our our sponsor's Manscaped, right? So, I mean, it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and can you give us that promo code again? Because I have to be able to understand what you're saying. I'm assuming the listeners understand. Yeah. So the promo code is Habs Forum. So again, use that. On manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. All right. Great. Manscaped. I got to use it, too. And, uh, yeah, not going to lie. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. So July 1st, when uh, the hockey is supposed to start, we finally have uh, a date. Uh, it, it seems like it's actually going to happen. Um, I mean, I had my doubts for a bit. You know, we hear teams talking about getting cases and stuff like that but uh, it really seems like uh, like, like, like it's going to happen and it's, they have the whole plan in place and everything so we're going to get some hockey in the summertime yeah it definitely seems like it. well you said July 1st but it's uh, August 1st of course but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean it definitely seems July 1st, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going definitely seems like it's going to happen uh, I mean even the, the the MLS actually got started yesterday so I mean, uh, you know, a bit of a different situation there in Orlando, which is obviously a lot more risky than Edmonton and Vancouver. Um, and uh, actually, one of their teams got kicked out because they had too many cases, but they're still going forward with it anyway. Got to make those bucks, I guess. But uh, I mean, if if they could go ahead with it with one of their teams being kicked out, and you know, they aside from that, they haven't had too many cases. But I mean, f- as far as the NHL goes, it looks like uh, looks pretty positive that it's going to happen. I mean. The thing is, I also want to make a point about this online, because we, we hear some teams having some cases, training camp needing to be temporarily shut down, but these the cases that are happening right now, the teams aren't in the bubble yet, right? So it's, like, it's going to happen, because who knows what these teams are doing, what these players are doing, if they're really respecting the social distancing as they should be doing. Once they're in the actual bubble, there's a whole plan in place. Once that happens, they're going to be the least likely people almost in the world to get the to get the virus because it's, it's going to be such a contained environment, constant testing uh, and all that. So really, I, I'd be shocked to get that much of an outbreak. The thing is, if one, one happens, there could be a lot. But once they're in the bubble, and in that bubble there's no one that is has the 
coronavirus or anything. I mean, I, I see no reason why there there should be uh, any, any any sort of outbreak. So, my, my, well, my curious at this point, I've accepted it's going to happen. But I'm more curious about how the long-lasting effect on, on next season is going to happen. Now they're talking about next season starting on on December first, but it, it's going to delay everything. And then talk about seasons after that. It's not like the season after that we're going to be able to start on time. Like it's gonna, it's going to. If we're ever going to get back to hockey starting in October, it's going to get years before we get. Yeah, it's going to be a really weird situation because I mean, uh, I mean, first of all, this whole playoff thing is going to start August first, or at least it's supposed to, and then uh, yeah. the the latest that it could finish, I believe, is October fourth. So, I mean, if they're planning on starting next season on December first, and and I think that the training camps for next season would, uh, if I'm not mistaken, start on November seventeenth. Like you're talking from October 4th to, to November 17th would be the time off for the players that would be in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's really not a lot of time, so it's 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 that, interesting. That's definitely that, that, that that's a good point. I mean, the, I guess the idea here is that they've had time off for the last few months already, right? So it's it, 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 it's a bit different than having a full 82 game season and then the playoffs right away and then getting right into it. So I guess that's that's the idea there. But it's just one of those things. It, it's not it's not gonna be perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but what I'm wondering here is if they start next season in December, and then that means we're going to have hockey into the summer again, probably playoff hockey. What I find really interesting there is, is maybe the NHL realizes that this schedule is better for hockey because then they're not going head to head against the NBA in the states. And like, who knows? Maybe the, the the ratings are actually better with this weird season starting in December, and they just decide to stick it out that way because. It's going to seem weird to have hockey during during the summertime, but it just might make sense for the NHL at the end of the day. Oh, that's true. I mean, uh, that's a good point. You know, they might not be competing competing with the NBA at that point. Obviously, I mean, I think it, well, at least in the states, the NBA is. Uh, Definitely more popular than the NHL, at least in most cities. Um, even even in Canada, it's uh, well in Toronto especially. It's starting to get more and more popular. I, I don't think the Raptors are ever going to be as popular as the Maple Leafs, but but um, uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely a good point that maybe this does end up working out pretty well for the NHL. And, and if it doesn't, they want to get it back to October. Like it's going to be a while before we can. It's going to be back to normal. It's it's, it's, it's going to take yeah, a, a really long time. So I mean. It, I'm really curious to see how, how this goes. I mean, I am excited to get hockey started, obviously, but uh, it's just it's just so it's just so weird. But uh, I mean, to get, to get, let's get more specific on the on the Canadians, and I think we've got a couple uh, Twitter questions to get to. Though. Yeah, we do. So, uh, so one of one of the Twitter questions sort of ties into this. Um, so, it was a Twitter question from Habs on the Daily, um, asking what sort of threshold would would there be for the NHL basically to to say let's just cancel this. So how many players do you think it would take to be positive for COVID before they say, okay, this is this is too risky, let's just scrap it all together? Do you think they would do that? I mean, it's it's hard to say, really. I mean, because the, the rosters now are, are, are bigger rosters, right, for this whole thing. It's 30 players per team, unlimited goalies. So they're, they're kind of planning ahead if, if it does happen. But, but, it, but if a player does get diagnosed with it, then he can't play for like so something like two weeks, right? Because you have to back-to-back uh, negative. You're out for a whole playoff if you get diagnosed with uh, with COVID-19, right? So it's, I, mean, I guess it would have to be if a team completely can't ice a team, then they would have to kind of stop it. Are they just going to let the other team go through? The other team is just disqualified? It's just... 
at, the, at that point, it just puts a whole asterisk on the whole playoffs. It, it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say an exact number. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like I don't think it'd be the end of the world if you know maybe there was two three guys on the same team like you said I mean they do have expanded rosters so it, so you know they'd still be able to ice a full team um, so it, yeah I think you know if 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 however you start to get like maybe five guys on a team then I mean I don't know if they would just cancel the whole thing altogether or maybe kind of do like they did in the MLS they just one of the teams was just basically kicked out of it they they, they, they actually had 10 people t- test positive on the team and that was it um, so I don't I know if they'd... Uh, people tested positive, you got to think there's something with the team where they want respecting guidelines well enough mm-hmm. or, uh, or or something. But it, it's, it's, it's sad to say, but you got to think that if it happens, like who it happens to is... Like, like, for example, if you get a situation where a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins all of a sudden Crosby, Malkin, and players like that all get diagnosed with it, then that would probably affect the decision too versus if it's... Like lower level players not affecting the, the, the games as much. It, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, we just hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really tough to uh, you know tough to say how exactly it would play out. But I think, like you said earlier, once they actually get into the bubble, you got to figure that. You know, it's it's going to be relatively safe. That hopefully you won't really see any sort of an outbreak. Maybe you get one or two players here and there, but uh, it should be relatively safe once they actually get into this and start playing. I think uh, it's, it's, should it's be a situation good. too that if it is a situation where let's say a team has an outbreak because they had multiple players not respecting the guidelines, for example, then I think it's a bit easier to just say, oh well, it's because your team your team didn't do a good enough job preventing this from happening. You're out of the tournament, but we're moving forward. Yeah. But if it's a situation where a team respected all the guidelines, did everything like they were supposed to, do, but it still happened, then it makes it a bit more complicated. I think so. It's it's just it really depends on the exact situation you have when there is an outbreak. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see moving forward. I mean, um, you know, the, it's it's going to be starting in basic in like three weeks from now. So you know, I mean, the so more. Do you think these are just going to be considered upper body injuries? Are we going to actually get? On it? I'm pretty sure we're going to get information on this. It's not going to be like a upper body injury. Uh, the, the NHL loves to keep it tight, like not not give us any information, especially in the playoffs. You never. It's only there's only two injuries in the playoffs: it's upper body and lower body. Yeah. There's no other injury. Yeah, but I, I think this is a little bit different. Uh, you would hope so, but you never know. Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, so we had two other Twitter questions as well. Um, so uh, another Twitter question was from Kevin Rogers asking, um, so Romanov, of course, we know cannot play with the Canadians um, this season while well, in, the, in the playoffs. Um, so we asked, uh, should, uh, do we think that Romanov should join the Habs even if he can't play? So in order, uh, basically just to be with the team. My thoughts on this, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think, um, you know, he's expected to be a big, well, maybe not not necessarily a big part, but he's probably going to be playing with the Canadians at least at some point next season. Um, so yeah. it, it, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Obviously, it's, it's sort of a, you know, it's a, it's a particular situation with, with what's going on with the COVID. But, I mean, he's obviously all the players are going to be together basically 24-7. So I think having Romanov there and getting familiar with the other players, getting familiar with how things work, becoming a, a professional in North America, I think it, it's not a bad idea, even if he can't play. But it's hard to kind of justify 
to Romanov, come be secluded with all these people you don't really know, even though you can't play. Because it's not exactly... I mean, if you're if you're thinking the Canadians aren't going to make it past the the, the five game round, then then I guess it doesn't matter. But I mean, would you really want to be stuck in that the hotel or whatever if you if you can't even play? You know, like would you bring? Let's say a player like Mac Domi, for example, can't is deemed not able to play, which could happen because of his type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. Would you ask to ask him to, to to leave his family to go? come hang out with the team or would you just tell him to stay home, right? I don't know if it makes sense to bring him in. Like, in, in a world where there's no pandemic and Romanov just isn't allowed to play for whatever reason, then yeah, sure, bring him along. He can he can learn some stuff. But it seems a bit unnecessary in the current situation to have him come along. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see your point about that. But, um, I, I mean, so obviously he can't play. I'm wondering if he'd be able to practice. Because I think if he could practice... I think, you know, he's obviously it's going to be a short turnaround until next season. I think he can, again, become familiar with the organization, become familiar with the players, and become familiar maybe with the systems as well. And it can give him a bit of a head start on next season. So obvi- obviously it's it's a tough decision. But if, uh, you know, I, th- I think at the end of the day you'd want to, ma- you'd want to give him the decision. But if he's comfortable with it, if he if he thinks it could be beneficial, then, uh, then definitely I'd be, I'd be all for it. So, yeah. And then we had another question from Etienne Ferla um, asking us, um, so obviously on the right side of the defense, the top two defensemen are going to be Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie. Who's going to be the third guy? Is it going to be Foline, uh, Fleury, Juleson maybe now that he's healthy? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Foley, I mean, I think is out of the question. He's he's going to be done with the Habs uh, at the end of this season. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, Fleury, you you got to figure he kind of deserves it on one side. I mean, he had a great season. We did finish the season in Laval, but I mean, he he had some really some really good moments with the Habs. But but I mean, Juleson, I mean, what he's gone through the last two seasons and and before his injury, he was looking so promising. He looked like you know he's going to be a solid addition to the Habs decor. But um, you know what he's gone through the last two seasons, and to finally make it back, and and hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, return to health. I mean, yeah, I mean, both of them deserve it, and I think, like you said, it wouldn't be maybe a bad idea to maybe go fifty-fifty or see who's you know before the game who's better in practice that particular day. You know, ice ice that guy. But you know, I, I'd yeah, like I mean, to see them both get a camp, chance. Right? There won't yeah. be a camp as if we're starting a regular season. Roster decisions are always made based on a camp. Right, so I don't, I don't see why not. It just it just depends on how 
Julien Bergman view view this whole five game series, right? Is it an opportunity to get some ice time for some young guys? Is they actually going? Are they actually going into this thinking they can win? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It just depends how they see it. The way I see it, I mean, I want to see as many young guys get opportunities, get some ice time uh, before they're off for another few months. You know. Yep, exactly. So I think you know it, it makes sense to to obviously put Foligno in the press box and then Juleson Flurry. You know, give them both whatever whatever games that uh, that the Canadians do end up playing here in the playoffs. Try to split it even, or you know, at least give them both a chance to uh, to show what they have in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so that's it for the for the Twitter questions for the day. Uh, there's uh, recent news. Your Bob McKinney tweeted out that uh, it looks like the next two Olympics will have some actual NHL players. So, might actually uh, care about the uh, hockey at the Olympics uh, next. Uh, Next time around, I mean, last time was pretty. I mean, uh, personally, I mean, it, it was there was such an, an advantage for for Russia. It was hard to actually kind of uh, care that much. Now, what I'm curious, do you think there's is Carey Price still the goaltender for that uh, Team Canada on the next Olympics? I definitely think so. I mean, if, I think in 2022 he's definitely going to be on the team. Um, is he going to be the starter? I think so. I mean, I don't th- I don't see who would be the starter ahead of him. Um, in 2026, you know, like five years from now, or actually six years from now, even uh, probably not. But um, yeah, I think Carey Price is still the uh, de facto starter for Team Canada. I mean, I, I would have to agree there with, with the, the performance he put up last time. Canada has a history of kind of respecting that, and he would at the very least start off, I think, the tournament as a starter, and then depending how that goes, maybe. There, 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 there could be a situation where he gets replaced, but you, you'd think he'd start off the tournament as a starter for sure. There, who, who else on the, on the Canadians do, do we see going to the Olympics in, in, in a couple of years, you think? Well, I mean, I think for Team Canada, uh, I mean, Shea Weber, you know, I we'll see. We'll point. see. Yeah, well, I mean, if he plays, if he can continue to play the way that he played this year, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be in the conversation. And again, like you said, the Team Canada typically likes to have those veteran guys, guys that have been solid contributors in the past for them. Um, so I think Weber will still makes sense if he can continue to play at the high level that he played this season. Um, and aside from that, I think Gallagher. Gallagher, um, you know, he he definitely sort of fits the mold of what Team Canada likes to have in their bottom six. So I think he He's could like be... a great fourth-line guy. Maybe it's possible. I mean, I would be a little surprised. I would love it. I would love it, but there, there's no mm-hmm. denying there's higher skill available than, than Gallagher, but if they do want to have a, a, a natural bottom six and have Gallagher as a grinder, I can see that happening. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. been some weird, weird players brought to, uh, <laughs> to freaking Canada in the past. So it, it's possible. Yeah, but uh, I mean, aside from that, well, maybe Lafreniere. Hopefully he's going to be a Canadian, <laughs> a Montreal Canadian at that point. Of course, for Finland. Of course. And of course, yeah. they'll have Armia as well and Lekkanen. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I- I'm sure the Canadians will be well represented. Obviously, I mean, that's two years down the road, um, so that there could obviously be okay. some trades. Yeah, but... It's definitely far down the road. It's just exciting to know they're actually going to be there. I mean, I, I-, I still remember the-, the-, the Olympics with NHL players. It's some of the best hockey we get to see, right? So it, it was really a shame last night that they weren't there. Yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, so it'll definitely be good to see the uh, NHL players back. And then uh, some right, so. some other exciting news. I mean, uh, so Trois Rivières announced today that uh, they're getting an ECHL team. So the Canadians are going to have an ECHL team now. Uh, that is that is great news, honestly. Just I mean, the fact 
Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, it's really good for the city. I mean, yes, it's the ECHL, but I mean, it's still, you know, uh, you're still going to get some solid hockey. It probably, I would imagine, probably cheap seats. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure, you know, me and you will probably end up going to 12 if you had to see them at some point. Um, but uh, it, it definitely very exciting for a lot of, for some of the prospects. I mean, over the last couple of years, uh, over the last at least two years, the Canadians haven't had an ECHL affiliate, and it's really affected a lot of their prospects. They've had to basically send their prospects basically anywhere. I mean, just take a look at Michael McNiven last year. He, yeah, went, yeah. he went through four, if not five, different ECHL teams. Exactly. I mean, he went to uh, he went to one team. Uh, I think it was New Jersey's affiliate. I forget which. He went through so many teams. I forget which one it was. Uh, but he had, he he played three games. He got he was three and zero with like I think his GAA was just over one point zero zero. And then he went a whole month without playing because you know he's not a New Jersey goaltender, right? So yeah. they're going to play their own goalies. So obviously never an ideal situation, but I mean this is great news. Obviously, I mean any prospects that's in the ECHL, well usually, I mean, well usually guys that's gone to the ECHL probably not your top prospects, but uh, but I mean at the same time we've we've seen guys like Yaroslav Halak and David Dernay play in the ECHL and look what they've done. I mean they've had solid runs in the NHL, so you never know. It can also have a domino effect where it helps uh, the AHL team, the Rockets. Which then helps the development for them, the NHL, right? Because like there's been the the, the Rockets have been a bit of a, of a, a disappointing team, right? So it can it can go down the line when there's issues with development and, and within the organization. And the fact that not all three teams are fairly close together, it really allows allows the team a lot of flexibility as far as moving moving players around. Definitely, it's going to be a huge, huge boost to uh, to the Laval Rocket for sure. So I mean, they're going to be able to get some of their own. You know, they'll be able to sign some younger players that maybe aren't ready to play for the Rocket that uh, aren't necessarily going to get NHL contracts, and they they can send them to the ECHL. And I mean, I think you know what's what you're probably going to see happening is that the the Canadians and the Rocket and the new 12 Yak team they're going to sign a lot of Quebec-born players, which is you know is is, is going to be great news for. You know, for the for the organization and for for Quebec and the Q uh, the QMJHL as a whole, so I mean I think you're going to see a lot of local talent playing now for the Rocket and for the Trois-Rivières team, and I mean that's yeah, you know, it, it, it's just everybody wins in this situation. Absolutely, and I know it was it, it was rumored for a long time, but it, it, it was there was an issue at one point that it looked like it might not happen. Uh, I was I was happy to see it. I was surprised to see it announced uh, with everything that's been going out uh, going on lately. I mean maybe it's just because. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I mean, it looked like it was going to happen. Uh, I mean, last year, like about a year ago, and then uh, it sort of, sort of hit a hit a hiccup at one point, and and you know we hadn't heard about it in a long time, and uh, and definitely happy, little little bit surprised, but certainly extremely happy to hear that uh, that they finally got it done. So we have the interview to uh, look forward to. You want to want to set that up a little bit, Doug? 
Yeah, that's right. So we got an interview with uh, Costa Ronzoco. So as you mentioned on Twitter at uh, Rontes, um, he is a contributor for Canadians Prospects and also the Puck Authority. Um, so it was a great interview. He met, he talked about a couple of guys the Canadians could draft if the Canadians were to draft ninth overall. Talked about some uh, some prospects a little bit deeper in the draft. Um, so uh, some really interesting guys. And, uh, and talk to us a little bit about uh, current Canadian prospects as well. Um, so it was a great interview. Definitely was a pleasure talking to Costa. And uh, so definitely have a listen and make sure to follow him. And he recently came out with an article uh, for, I believe it was for the Puck Authority, uh, saying the, the pros and cons of the Canadians just losing in the first, ra- first round in order to get uh, you know, that f- potentially well, a shot at, uh, at the first overall pick in, in Alexis Lafreniere. So definitely check that out as well, guys. So I'm joined here by Costa Ronzokos uh, from the Puck Authority and Canadians Prospects. Thank you very much for joining us today, Costa. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, uh, so obviously the the big thing now in uh, in Habs land is the the well the the Canadians have the possibility of potentially drafting first overall and getting Alexis Lafreniere. They would of course have to lose in the first round to the Penguins. So there's been a lot of talk, you know, sh- should the Canadians really even try to win in the first round? Obviously, they're going to try to win in the first round, but it seems that a lot of fans prefer that they just lose. What What are your feelings on this? Would you like to see them win uh, and maybe have a bit of a run, or would you prefer them to get a to get a, a top pick, top ten pick, and potentially the first overall? Well, funny enough, I actually came out with a, a little piece for the Puck Authority today talking about the, the dilemma of would you rather have a playoff win or a top 10 pick and then potentially having the chance to draft first overall and personally I'm a guy who builds through the draft I really like what Chicago has done what LA has done what Pittsburgh has done and I believe that's the model for success in general other than like St. Louis who won from you know good trades and good development but I really think that building through the draft is the right way so spoiler for my verdict but uh, I personally think that listen even if you lose against Pittsburgh and you get a top 10 pick you're drafting top nine and this year's draft is like 10 to 13 players deep. So whether you draft first or whether you draft ninth, you're getting a tremendous talent. But Lafrenia would be the ultimate prize this year. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Obviously, if the Canadians lose in the first round and they were lucky enough to get the first overall pick, I mean, I think we all know who they're going to be drafting. Obviously, Lafreniere. If they don't, if they do end up drafting ninth overall where they are right now, who do you think they might be taking a look at? that are, you know, really good options in the top 10. And so ideally, I would see Jamie Drysdale would be a dream pick. I don't really see him dropping. Same thing for Jake Sanderson, who would also be one of my preferred picks. So if you're looking at players who have a chance to, let's say, slide a couple of spots, Marco Rossi from the Ottawa 67s, who absolutely tore up this year in the OHL, uh, he would be a great pick. A smaller forward, but really, really good stability. He's really good vision. He attacks the net. So, you know, the size it's a bit of a concern for some people, but the way he plays, it's sort of like an equalizer. Uh, Lucas Raymond is another great goal scorer who I think can play both uh, both wings. I think he's more of a right winger, but he's a really, really good option at that. Jack Quinn, he also played for the Ottawa 67, but to many who think that he played with Rossi, he actually didn't. So a lot of his goals really came from, you know, you know his linemates were good options for him too, but he really you know played for the, the goals that he scored. 
He really moves the puck really well. And uh, out of the 52 goals they scored last year, only 15 were on the power play. So more than two-thirds of his goals were, were at even strength. And if you look, like I said, Jake Sanderson would be good. Cooper Fetty is another good option. Uh, he has really, really good hockey sense. Craig Button raves about it. Thinks he's, you know, top of uh, top of the charts when it comes to that. Really good offensive skills. Moves the puck really well. And uh, I would say those are the players that I'm really, really looking. Other than Askarov, who I don't think has a chance to be drafted by Montreal, the rest are great options. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think those are all good options. Like, like you said, I mean, I don't think Askarov makes much sense for the Canadians the way Caden Primo looked last year in his rookie season in Laval. Um, you mentioned Drysdale, Sanderson, Rossi. Those are three guys that definitely, I mean, I'd love to see the Canadians pick. They Typically, if you take a look at mock drafts, especially lately, all three of them typically are going before the Canadians would be picking a ninth overall. Do you, do you see maybe one of those three falling? Personally, if you look at previous years, like, for example, in 2018 when Kotkin got drafted third, uh, right away Barrett Hayden was drafted at fifth by Arizona. So it's... If you look at the trend, same thing happened with uh, Bowen Byram and Moritz Sider. Once one player goes, especially this year on defense, the next player is going to go right away. So Jake Sanderson, Jamie Drysdale, I think they're gone by max pick six or pick seven. I don't think Montreal has a chance with them. Rossi might drop, but I don't think he's going to drop the nine. So I think you have a better chance of getting like a Perfetti or a Raymond or a Hulks and uh, maybe a Jack Wynn. So I would say the first three, I, I don't think there's a chance, but you know, you can always be hopeful about that. Yeah, you never know. I mean, hopefully, and, and even if one of those three don't fall, all the other guys you mentioned, Holtz, Raymond, Perfetti, I mean, uh, even Quinn, they would all obviously be a great option for the Canadians as well. Uh, so the Canadians obviously have a lot of picks in this draft. They have three picks in the second round, and in, in what is most people are saying is a very uh, is a you know a, a very deep draft. What what guys do you see the Canadians maybe looking at in the second round? Awesome. Yeah, I think those are all really good options, definitely. I mean, uh, especially Thomas Bordalo. Jeremy Poirier, like you mentioned, uh, we actually had Marco D'Amico on last week, and he mentioned him as, a, as you know, basically a boomer bust prospect that, that could potentially be uh, one of the guys the Canadians are looking at, but of course would be a risky pick. Like you said, though, with all the draft picks they have, especially three in the second round, 
they might be willing to take a bit of a risk, um, you know, a bit of a home run swing. Uh, they they also have lots of other picks in the later uh, in the later rounds. Is there any guys maybe late round gems that you could see the Canadians picking? Oh yeah, like like you mentioned before, this is one of the deeper drafts, at least from the outside looking in. And you know, like Marco said, I really like uh, what he said about Evgeny Afanasyuk. And Afanasyuk is a player that. A lot of people might say, well, that name's a bit familiar. Why is it familiar? Well, he was at the Canadian Development Camp last year, and I was really lucky to go and, and see uh, a lot of these prospects. You know, you've got Peter Ratkailing and Nick Suzuki, and James Schubel got drafted, and Cole Caulfield. But, you know, Akhentiak and another guy that, I met, and that I'm going to mention a bit later, he really, really caught a lot of people's eyes, and nobody really knew who he was. And so he, he really did well at Development Camp, and he had a really good season for Flint. So that's one name that I'm really looking at. Another prospect who uh, is also going to be a bit familiar with the Habs fans is actually Pavel Gokulov. He plays Clifford uh, Guelph. He played with Cam Hillis. He was his line mate, and they really fed off each other. Tremendous, tremendous chemistry. Uh, basically, when one scored, you wondered if the other assisted and vice versa. So Gokulov is, is an overager. He's going to go right to Laval if he gets drafted. Another prospect that I really, really like is actually uh, Devin Levi, or Levy, I'm not sure what the pronunciation is, but he's a goaltender. Um, he's actually from Montreal. He uh, grew up in BDO over in the West Island, played for the Lacksingley Lions, and last year he played for the CC in, uh, in the CCHL for Carleton. Played 37 games and had 34 wins and 8 shutouts. So he had an impressive, impressive year. And one guy later into the seventh round, his name is Christian Tannis. He's a Finnish-born forward. Smaller guy, but he's got a lot of offensive abilities. And in every league that he's played in, he's produced. And this year he's going to play in Liga for Tapara, and we'll see if that production can go into the men's league. But I really like his game. He's a smaller forward, not great skater, but you know you can develop that. And I think he would be a really, really good you know player who you can draft and develop in the seventh round. Uh, definitely a lot of good options there. Uh, as you mentioned, Evgeny uh, Aksenchuk, he was, um, I thought he was one of the best players in the development camp last year. So definitely, you know, he's, he's familiar. Uh, you've got to figure the Habs brass are f- relatively familiar with him and had a great year, like you mentioned, with Flint. So he could definitely be a pretty good option, uh, maybe in the middle rounds. And another guy you, you mentioned that I really love is, uh, is the goaltender, Devin Levy, who I think yeah. he, like you said, I mean, he obviously wasn't playing with the best competition. Um, which might scare some people off, but I mean, he the the numbers that he posted were absolutely ridiculous. He will be, uh, I would imagine, familiar with Joel Bouchard as well because he was drafted by the Armada in the uh, in the Q draft, um, but decided to go the college route instead. And he was actually at their last two training camps where he looked really good as well. So it might have some familiarity there with the uh, with the Habs brass and I think he would be a great option especially if you can uh, maybe get him a little bit later on in the draft he could definitely be a steal well for fans who don't know he's actually going to the he's going to Northeastern where uh, if the team is familiar it's because it's a very familiar organization in the uh, Hockey East he's going to go play with James Schrubel and Jordan Harris and for those who don't know actually Jim Madigan the coach is actually from Montreal so there's a bit of a Montreal connection with Absolutely, which I think, I mean, they obviously have confidence in what they're doing in the program there at Northeastern. So, I mean, even more reason why to pick Devin Levy, especially if they can get him in the later rounds. Absolutely. Um, very, very good. Very good organization. Sam Colangelo, like I, met, like I mentioned before, he's going to go play for them. Uh, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine is another player who you could look at who is also going to Northeastern. 
program, very good development, and they've won a couple of ping pots in a row. So if you want championship caliber development and coaching, it's an excellent program. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that's where Caden Primo went as well. So I mean, obviously they're they know what they're doing with goalies. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have another Caden Primo on our on our hands. As far as uh, as current Habs prospects go, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the the big news has been Romanov coming over. We all know about Cole Caulfield. Who are some of the under the radar Canadians prospects that uh, that you really like? Yeah, so that's one of the really good things about covering prospects is you look at the Suzuki's, the Kotkaniemi's, the Caulfield's, the Romanovs, the Primos. You look at them, and obviously, that's really easy to look at and say, okay, he has this much potential, and he has x amount of potential but the best part about in my opinion about looking at prospects and development is what kind of gems can you find in a later rounds and a guy like red pitley who is going to the university of minnesota next year he is one player that has a lot of paul byron in him he's very small he's not very small but he's a smaller player compared to the average he's got a lot of offensive skills he's a really good skater really speedy um he's got a lot of forechecking ability and he can play a lot of penalty kill He's one guy that I'm really, really excited to see how he develops into the uh, into the uh, university level. Another guy that I really like is actually Jennifer Brother. You know, we talked about Accentive before who impressed at the development camp. That brother really impressed me last year, especially at the rookie camp where he skates really well. He's got that edge to him. You know, if he needs to drop the gloves, he's got that too. He's got a really, really good shot. And I think as a defenseman, he has a, you know, similar to like a Ben Sherrod style, but a much better Absolutely, I definitely agree with those. I mean, Fairbrother, definitely, he's he is an under-the-radar prospect that a lot of Habs fans don't know much about. To be honest, when the Canadians drafted him in the third round, I wasn't too familiar with him, but like you said, he had an amazing development camp and really impressed me. And Teasdale as well, I mean, he's I'm a huge Armada fan, so I'm, I, was, I was super happy when the Canadians signed him. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, he had the injury that basically scrapped his whole year last season unfortunately but uh definitely i think he'll be a huge asset in laval and i mean there you know there's a couple of other young guys coming in this year as well they're they're going to have arson kusamitinov and uh cam hillis as well what, what sort of impact do you think those three guys will have on the impact this or on the impact well, on the uh, on the rocket well i think arson's going to be more of a depth player like he could always develop into something you know we say like oh he's a later on pick he's going to be a Kitchener Rangers last year and 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing him play as well. Uh, former fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, by the Stars. Wasn't signed by them uh, for, yep, for whatever yep. reason. A big guy is, uh, I believe, 6'5", 200 and some pounds. So, obviously, he's uh, he's got the size that, uh, that Laval's looking for, too. And, uh, and, yeah, I mean, he'll have that familiarity with Hillis, of course, and potentially with Gogolev if the Canadians do end up going out and drafting him. Whenever uh, the Habs draft this year, it, you should be sure that whenever they're going to get to the NHL, whether it's Joel Bouchard who's coaching or another uh, another coach, they're going to be in good hands. I really think that the future is really bright for this. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to love the work that Joel Bouchard has done over the last two seasons. Um, you know, unfortunately, when Sylvain F5 was there, it wasn't uh, wasn't really up to par. They really didn't. You know, not not too many Habs prospects were graduating to the Habs, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, so aside from so, where um, where can we read? Do you have any upcoming articles that we can read uh, from you, Costa? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm actually very very present. I, I tweet like every couple couple of minutes. Uh, but you can also find me if you want to find my articles. I did come up with one today. It was the uh, dilemma between making it to the playoffs or drafting top ten. You can find that at thepunkauthority.com, and we have various different articles. We cover pretty much all of the leagues in North America down to the ECHL and you can also find me covering Habs Prospects at CanadiansProspects.com where we cover uh, different levels of Canadian prospects overseas and in North America and very big into the NCAA league so I cover that as well Awesome Well thanks a lot for doing this Costa we uh, really appreciate it it was great to have you on here and uh, we'll be looking for those prospects and uh, potentially have you on again uh, once once the draft once the draft ends up really happening. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and let's hope that it's uh, Alexi Lepre. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Take care, Costa.